All right, one more time. Hello, guys. Hello, humans. Hello, humans. It's um, almost nine Wednesday morning, heading inland to do some chop shopping and chores. Chopping. And um, anyway, wanted to talk about uh, the idea of the novelty theory, but even more than that, uh, aspects of the novelty theory that may actually uh, exist, okay? They may be able to be projected uh, as a result of um, Cozy Rev's work on time uh, in the 60s. So Cozy Rev was a Russian scientist, uh, quite brilliant, ended up uh, pissing off officialdom and being sent to a gulag um, for counter-revolutionary thinking and, um, you know, no good in the old Soviet days, but in any event. So they let him out of the gulag uh, 10 years early after he'd only been there for 10 years. And for 10 years, so that isolated him from physics, from everything. He had no um, equipment or any of this in the gulag. Uh, you know, he was uh, digging coal in Siberia. Uh, in any event, though, during that period of time, he did a lot of thinking, and he came up with a whole bunch of experiments, which they uh, performed. Oh, single lane road here, um, and a pilot car. Uh, they performed these these experiments through the '60s. Okay, so without going into all of the different experiments and the the nature of what they were attempting to get at, and so on, there was a common observation that came through all of these experiments that were involved with time. Okay, so, so Cozy Rev was experimenting with time. He wanted to find out stuff about time, and he did a good job. There was um, uh, a lot of thought that went into it over the 10 years that he was in the gulag and didn't have equipment and couldn't do anything, and he was digging coal. Uh, he was just... Um, Actually, I think he was also cutting wood. He was out on a, a wood harvesting thing in Siberia. He was in a Siberian gulag. In any event, though, um, so he comes up with all these experiments that go to the nature of time. And uh, without going into those, uh, there was a common observation that occurred in all of the experiments. Uh, it showed up in all of them. Uh, relative to time, regardless of what aspect of time was being investigated. And and here's the uh, gist of it, okay? They had an observation that they could, that Kosarev could say, when things are involved with time, there will be this effect. And this effect is hard for me to describe, but it's very easy for me to, to illustrate with a quick graphic. Because with a graphic, you would, you would, um, uh, easily draw this particular shape, and everybody would say, oh yeah, I get that, I grasp that. But here's here's the idea. Uh, it's it's a, an aspect of pressure, okay? So time exhibits aspects that are apparent pressure. And so it's very much, in terms of how it, it uh, manifests, it's very much like uh, a pressure cooker, where you put your your uh, rice or your millet or something in the little pressure cooker and you put your water in there and you put the top on and the little weight and then you put it in the uh, in, in heat, put it on some heat and you wait for the pressure to build up. Uh, 
Okay, and when the pressure builds up, you know it because the little weight is overcome by the pressure. It rises up and steam comes out and there's that hissy noise, you know, the noise or pssst or however the hell the machine makes it. Anyway, and so that takes some um, duration in order for that to occur. And so you put it on there and at some point after it has heated up, and so on, there will be pressure building up from the evaporation of the water from the heat that can't escape, and so the pressure keeps going. Time itself seems to function in this same manner, in that there is a pressure threshold before there is um, manifestation of result from causality. So this is where it gets really tricky, is in in talking about all this, you got to be really precise, but you have to define the terms so that everybody understands. So if you're in a meeting about this shit, you, you know that everybody is talking about these terms in exactly the same way, right? And this, um, this uh, setup, this this observation that Kozirev made continues uh, to exhibit no matter how he approached uh, demonstrating um, causality and result as, as, and as um, demonstrable manifestations of time, he would always get this building, threshold being crossed, and then the event. And in the process of that uh, event manifesting, the uh, metrics involved would drop slightly. So if you were plotting it, you would have a line that would rise uh, at some steep angle upward, it would reach a particular peak. And then as we see in things like stock market charts or even blood pressure or heartbeat even, uh, it's all there. It's everywhere. The same um, uh, dynamic repeats everywhere in reality, in all aspects of reality. Chemistry and your heartbeat, like I say, pumping blood, thinking, everything is driven by time. And it all repeats this same pattern, which is this rise up to a threshold, the crest of the threshold, a slight drop as the uh, event is manifest into reality. As the result of the causality occurs, there will be always a, dim a diminution, diminution of the um, energies involved at some level as the manifestation takes place. And there's reasons to we can go into to explain this as to why this happens, why this occurs, why this is a necessary component of time. But at the moment, we're not going to go into that. We're not going to deal with that. But we are living through or in... Um, uh, okay, so we live in a time-based reality. This time-based reality uh, puts this particular... Uh, observable flow dynamic on everything from uh, chemical reactions, biochemical reactions, um, growth, you know, how we would talk about kids having growth spurts, how they'd seemingly grow and then sort of, sort of stop growing for a while, right? It's not a continuous process. So there are no continuous processes within our reality. Everything works on this pulse because time provides this pulse, which creates impulse, which creates waves, which creates all forms of energy within our manifesting uh, reality, right? Within the material. So, 
so we can plot that same kind of like rise up, slight drop down, and then a little bit of a uh, flat plateau, and then another rise up, just like on your blood pressure. Just like if you look at the little graphs on your blood pressure as they're taking your blood pressure, and it and it you know does that. It's it's um, what do they call it? Sinusoidal rhythm, right? Um, and that that is part of the manifestation that we get out of time on all things. So it is not a surprise um, that, uh, for instance, my work uh, with linguistics would discover that we had, quote, pressure uh, coming through on language that would exhibit exactly the same kind of um, uh, graphic dynamic as does time, as does the heartbeat, as does, you know, the pulsing of the sun, all of these things. So, now, in our manifesting reality, where most of us don't care about, to a great degree, about the uh, millisecond by millisecond uh, aspects of causality, and we only deal in the world of results, this is a, a key function for us, right? Because we can say that, oh, well, we'll get a result at this point when this particular energy has, has crested this level of threshold. And we may not be able to predict it. Some things we can predict. So you can predict that kind of thing in, say, a chemical reaction. If you knew that you had so many moles of this chemical and so many moles of that chemical, and uh, you were mixing them together and you're going to get a chemical reaction, you can say that, well, based on the molecular um, density of this particular uh, element within the chemical reaction, we will get our... Um, manifestation, our result, our uh, completion of the, the blending, the compounding of these chemicals at this point, because we can anticipate the time involved, because it's all of the known quantities. And we're pretty, we've got that, that formula for how fast certain chemical reactions occur pretty well delineated. All right. And so what I was trying to do in, an, in a sense, that wasn't my goal, but one of the things that my work uh, aimed into was being able to do a prediction on manifestation of causality relative to language. And so uh, in the process, in the early days of doing the work, I discovered that, well, geez, there's, there's various different kinds of uh, pressure here um, linguistically, but um, they all seem to behave in either a building tension fashion or a release tension fashion. And the language was subtly different and the uh, emotional elements was uh, different in each. And so I could start determining, oh, this word being used in this way with these adjectives is a, um, a manifestation of building tension, right? Or I could say that, oh, look, uh, that same word now has these adjectives and is showing up in this um, level of density, and we're about to get a release episode around it because we're getting release adjectives building up. And um, it was fairly reliable that way, okay? So uh, we could... Um, hang on. Just going to shut down here. Uh, so we could do that. We could um, uh, anticipate... Uh, release occurrences off of building tension at some point. Maybe it was 2002 I started figuring that out, and then by 2003 I was able to make uh, better and better 
um, projections uh, relative to um, timing for uh, the manifestation of something that was within the building language. Uh, so you would see this in humans in a gross situation where uh, you got two guys, uh, they're at a restaurant, uh, what, for whatever reason their moods are um, compatible with each other with the intent of contention. Okay, so they may not be pissed going in, but whatever, you know, they're, they're all set. They get in there, circumstances develop, and then you have contention between these two guys. Before there's actually any physical interaction, there will be a uh, rising amount of, uh, of tension. There'll be building tension language. And, you know, and you've heard it before, all the, you know, um, how they talk to each other before the fight, so on and so on, right? Uh, not necessarily swearing at each other, but, um, uh, you know, building up to the point where one of them will cross a threshold. They will have had their emotional building tension up to a certain point, and then they will have a release uh, episode within their mind, and they'll start swinging. And that's the reaction. That's the dynamic. They've crossed that threshold, and the fight is on. So, so we see these kinds of activities all throughout a reality this um, building tension uh, peak, a uh, uh, little tiny bit of a drop, and then a plateau as the manifestation occurs. Now, we're living in that at this point as we get uh, further into um, the manifestation, the emergence of this next level of novelty theory relative to humans. So here's where it gets uh, quite a bit tricky, okay? That same level of building tension dynamic with its peak and then a slight drop and then a plateau, that applies to um, grouping tensions as well. So that, that um, algo, uh, that design pattern manifests in groups of humans at all different levels. And... Um, as you can see, for instance, we have potential contention and potential civil war here in the United States with some of these assholes shooting at each other and that, that kind of thing, but mainly not because we haven't crossed that level of, of uh, tension into release language, right? And so everybody knows the tension is building. You got a lot of people saying, hey, we're headed towards civil war, but we don't actually have it, yada, 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 right? We haven't crossed that threshold. When we do, then there's a dynamic, then things happen, then there is the actual uh, conflict. And uh, there are a lot of people that know these kind of things, and they're attempting to manage this and diffuse it so that we don't get into a, a shooting war here, that we don't get into a civil war. Um, so, anyway, so as I say, it applies to large-scale um, human activity, as well as individual, you know, heartbeats and that kind of thing. And you can make predictions uh, around this. Now, relative to novelty theory, here's what ha is happening. So, um, the shift, for instance, in an individual. So, you got an individual, you got a human that's got some problems with um, uh, uh, their heart, for instance, okay? And so they go into AFib occasionally. As they go into AFib fibrillation, as they go into this erratic 
a heartbeat. They cross that threshold. There's the uh, building tension, and then when it drops down into when it peaks and then drops into the plateau area, it goes into another uh, form of action and you get the AFib. It doesn't go back to a regular beat. It gets uh, irregular uh, for whatever reason involved. Doesn't matter. It happens at that that point. And uh, then you're into AFib, which has a slightly different um, heartbeat action but the whole of the AFib episode can be thought of as one of these uh, building tensions into release tension. Because if you're aware of the AFib, then it becomes a real problem on your mind. And then at some point you need it to stop. And so then you get into release and then you have a release within yourself that way. Okay, so um, so in other words, going from a regular heartbeat into, into AFib is, um, uh, can be considered to be uh, crossing a chaotic threshold, but is also an elevation of the function uh, of the heart relative to the amount of electricity going into it that causes the beats as it is. And so, uh, for whatever reason at that point, you're getting more electricity into the into the heart, and it's becoming irregular in its beating operation. It may go faster. I don't think that they have AFib that goes slower as a rule. But in any event, though, so this is a pattern. And we are living through one of those patterns now where our social order is going through a regular heartbeat and it's about to get more energy. We're about to up-level the amount of energy going into... um, uh, We finally get to go here. We've been waiting on the pilot car. Um, So we're finally getting into that point where uh, we're able to... um, or, Or there will be this manifestation as we get into the next up-leveling of uh, the algo that uh, basically from universe that controls novelty, etc., right? That that uh, we're at a situation where now everything um, uh, contributes to novelty within universe. So the the yuga system is set up by universe to provide us a. Um, n- non-static base that we can potentially create novelty from. So as the yugas change, we get more and more energy from galactic center and we become better humans, so to speak, right? We become more involved humans, uh, more aware humans, etc., because there's more of these galactic center emanations. This is after we get out of the Kali Yuga, as we have 325 years now, and we're into the Dwapara Yuga, the Bronze Age. And it is, um, well, that was short, geez. <laughs> um, anyway, and so, um, we're now getting into these, uh, new ages where we're getting more energy, uh, from, uh, galactic center and humanity is going to up level. All right, as a result of more of these energies. We're not as dense as we were. We're not as mentally dense as we were in the Kali Yuga. And you can plot the uh, our technology blooming and uh, you know all these advancements and everything against these Yuga cycles and see that this is fairly factual, easily plotted. And so we know that universe is providing with uh, providing these things in order that there might be up-leveling of complexity and up-leveling leveling of complexity towards the idea of creating novelty. 
and that's uh, uh, that's the whole goal, right? Is more novelty, better novelty, etc. And we're right there now that we're taking this. Um, we, we we are in the process of of reaching that peak, and then we're going to drop down into a new uh, drop slightly, but then we'll come into a new uh, level here of novelty production. And uh, that level of novelty production is going to be literally a whole order of magnitude over the novelty production that we have been used to. So just as though you can see that, the, you know, in the, um, in the middle of the Kali Yuga, uh, back about um, uh, 500 AD uh, or so, uh, 500 years uh, current, or 500 current era, back about that far, People riding on donkeys, you know, um, you didn't talk to but maybe 30 people in your whole life. If you lived in a village, you could live and die in a village. You know, your lifespan was relatively short, maybe 30 or 40 years. Um, and uh, you could uh, live in, in your whole life and not see more than 30 or 40 people. And so the amount of um, uh, stimulation, the amount of variance, the the amount of complexity was relatively little. Now we're getting into the point where every time you turn around, some shit's happening. You've got uh, internet connecting you to everybody, uh, so that there's just so much coming in. There's so much more information that we were in a uh, giant up leveling of information and complexity over what had occurred uh, when people were riding around on donkeys and. Uh, you know, uh, uh, pulling uh, loads of goods up and down the Nile with horses and ropes, right? Uh, that that kind of thing. So we've had this this big uptick on that level. Now we're about to take another one of those. Okay, so here's the here's the way these things are uh, thought to work out. The Kali Yuga has, is split into two, like all the yugas are split into two. So you have a descending. So going away from the emanations of galactic center and an ascending of all of the ages of the Kali Yuga, the Bronze Age, the Silver Age, and the and the um, and the Kali means iron. It's the Iron Age. Uh, so the Iron Age, the Bronze Age, the Silver Age, and the Gold Age, and you have uh, an ascending and a descending on each each of these. Now, as you go from one age to another, there is a uh, one quarter of the time involved. Uh, algorithm or, or um, uh, a design pattern. Okay, so universe would have uh, the Kali Yuga be one quarter in uh, length of the uh, the Golden Age, and when the Kali Yuga uh, converts over to the Bronze Age, as we are in now, you go through a period of time uh, where you're like losing the hangover of the uh, Iron Age, where you're where you're your people are becoming more and more intelligent. They're being more, they're born more intelligent as uh, more emanations come in from galactic center. And uh, thus the whole population is being elevated mentally uh, by these emanations as you go forward. And so uh, the Kali Yuga uh, halves, each half of it, the descending half and the ascending half are each 1200 years old or 1200 years long. Within that, there's a one quarter of the distance thing, just like with uh, radiations out in space. So, you know, one quarter of the distance away from the microwave, uh, you've lost the, um, the square of the power. So, you know, the power level drops down. Um, 
massively with distance. We have that within uh, time. We find that this same pattern repeats in um, uh, aspects of time, that is to say duration aspects of time. So the Kali Yuga, uh, each half of which is 1200 years, so in, in that 2400 years, we get this, this thing where as we are into the uh, ascending one now, and as we're leaving the ascending one, one quarter of the time involved in the a in each half in the ascending one will be used to shed the hangover, so to speak, of that age. So you have 1,200 years of the ascending Kali Yuga, which we popped out of in 1698, and then we're going to have another 300 years, which was one quarter of that 1,200 years, in which we will transition from the mindset, the density of the Iron Age, into the slightly uh, more mentally um, sparkly um, Bronze Age, right? And so we do that for 300 years. And then we have a quarter of that distance, which would be uh, 75 years, one quarter of the 300. And that 75 years is the period of time in which we set the themes for the developing new age. So we're 25 years into that 75 year period. I know it's complicated guys. Uh, you, basically what it's all saying is that uh, there's a transition period and, and we only have 50 years left of this transition period before we're like rock solid into the Bronze Age. But within this transition period, if you look around, you can see the themes, the, the uh, driving mental um, focus that will be dominating uh, this particular age. And so we know we're coming into an age of science, technology, etc., etc. And actually, that's why we're having these big battles over all the non-science uh, nut jobs, the Khazarian Mafia trying to hold us back into the Kali Yuga. And so this is really, uh, it's all part of the novelty thing. Okay, so the Khazarian Mafia uh, gained power because uh, through the Kali Yuga because of the density of humans and because of their particular um, uh, predatory approach to dealing with things and their clannish behavior, right? Okay, so the, the Khazarian Mafia here has been trying to suppress the advance of humanity into uh, the Bronze Age because they lose power when we think, right? When we're thinking, we're not going to fall for their horseshit. When you're really thinking, you say, no, you know, a central bank, that's slavery. You're, you're enslaving me to a hidden inflation that, that you're going to say is 2%, but it'll never be that. It'll be 8 and 10 and 12%, and you'll be hiding it the whole time and lying to me the whole time. The whole point of the central bank is to lie and thieve and enslave me. And I can see this, so I don't want to have anything to do with it. And so consequently, uh, in the Bronze Age, if everybody thinks that way, then we won't involve ourselves with their fiat currency and we'll do something else and the, and the Khazarian Mafia will greatly lose power, as they are doing now. So uh, we, we're seeing the collapse of the Soros Empire, we're seeing the collapse of all of these um, skim empires where they make money because they control the money s supply and they rake off and they um, rob through... Um, currency exchange, trades, all of this different kind of stuff. It's another layer of hidden um, enslavement by uh, taxation on the money. 
And so now we're at this point where we're reaching a peak and we can all see that. We can see that inflation is reaching a peak to the point where we're going to kick over into hyperinflation that will not last long. Okay. That will probably last less than four months, maybe five because we're a large country. There's very few countries like ours that have gone through hyperinflationary periods. So when the Soviet Union collapsed, they did not go hyperinflationary. Uh, the um, devaluation of the currency from the outside was used to destroy the Soviet system uh, by um, Reagan's people. Um, but uh, they did not enter into a hyperinflation. There were a few bits and pieces of it in few areas in the Soviet Union, but in general, the, the currency collapsed and it like seriously, seriously collapsed. And everybody's uh, reaction was to go to outside currencies. So they just like basically abandoned their own internal ruble, uh, the Soviet ruble, and they used it as markers, but uh, they were using outside currencies as a basis for uh, supporting any supposed purchasing value within that, uh, within that currency. Okay, so, all right, so, <laughs> I know, getting really long and, and far afield here, but basically what's happening is we're crossing this threshold, and just as the Soviets did, um, when, and, and, uh, when there is a um, uh, an external pressure trying, as the Kazarian Mafia has been doing for the last um, uh, 300 plus years, has been trying to retain their power, which was entirely derived from uh, their position within the Kali Yuga. And it's going to fail anyway because the Kali Yuga is no longer in effect and none of us will be able to ever, uh, uh, you know, alter this at all. They're going to, the only thing they think they've been able to do is to slow it down a little bit, right? So anyway, all that's going on and this is uh, the point at which our complexity becomes combinoric and we enter into this next level of novelty. So as much as you think there's new shit going on now, you know, uh, if you're into science, there's new stuff happening on science every day. If you're into sports, there's new stuff happening there every day. You know, medicine, health, uh, anything, money. There's just so much new stuff happening. It's difficult to keep up with it. And you find yourself not really even able to branch out to some other area of interest because there's so much new stuff in your primary area. And so no matter where we go, we're going to get this new stuff novelty thing uh, at a huge level now that we've reached this, this next level. And it's manifesting. Now, lots of people had uh, predicted this to occur on, on 2012. Maybe that was the start of it. Maybe that was the peak at a particular level of emotional threshold. And now we're into the new uh, uh, pattern that will be developing the next level up. This is very much like uh, gaming where you go through in a software game and you, you know, you've done everything in a particular level, you get the final magic tomato or whatever the fuck it is, and you're, you're promoted, so to speak, into the next level of complexity and everything gets a lot harder. So the challenges become harder. That's where we're at now. The challenges are going to become harder and we're going to have to decide how we're going to deal with it on an individual and collective basis. The collective basis is going to be just a bitch to work out because everybody's going to be so fractured and and uh, pulled away by all of this stuff. So um, 
you'll see a lot of people that just don't pay any attention to, to politics or don't pay any attention to science or nowadays everybody's pretty much paying attention to medicine because we all got fucked up by the uh, pandemic, right? But even the pandemic, they planned that. They wanted to kill all these people. This, this whole genocide thing was part of the Kazarian Mafia trying to retain control. Uh, universe won't have it. It won't allow it. Uh, there were people that they killed, obviously. As, the, um, as shit happens like this, these, these elements, so to speak, the Kazarian Mafia attempting to do the, the pandemic, the failure of the fiat currency... Uh, the mother weffers trying to their next scam, which is, you know, uh, the client, uh, the climate thing, right? Everybody needs to lock down because there's going to be wind today or something, right? Um, anyway, all of that shit, as well as the land grab in Maui, okay, the, all of these things are all part of this point of developing pressure. These are all weights on uh, the pressure cooker of that particular level of interest. So we know that there's... Um, uh, a desire for uh, the mother weffers to own all this property in Hawaii. We know that Obama wants to expand his uh, Hawaii uh, base. And uh, so they, they direct the do weapons. They have the Chinese map the, all of um, Hawaii with their lasers last year. And then this year, they have the do weapons come on down and, and surgically remove those areas that they don't want people in, that they want to buy up. And then now, within just days, we've got a book out about it. And within a couple of days, the government's now announcing that you can't sell the land. We're going to take it through eminent domain. Um, uh, so nobody can uh, sell their land to anybody. Now, of course, the eminent domain means that they're just um, you know going to keep it and have a sweetheart deal for the insiders, right? And so that's the whole the whole process. And the insurance companies are saying we're not paying and all of this kind of stuff. So all this is all the building tension in, in that particular area. And this is the way it is with everything now. So we've passed out of the uh, the 25th year. Okay, so within the 75 years in which we set our memes, uh, our themes for the particular new age, that... that uh, part of the transition that part is also divided up into quarters and uh by the way four is the number of time and i can get into that at some other other talk about uh what cozy rev discovered relative to um oh, time and digits so to speak uh but anyway so that one quarter of that 75 years you know uh, slightly less than 20 years uh and we're out of that and we're um in that period of time, we set the um, the primary revision means, so to speak, right? So those things we're going to be undoing and, and uh, redoing. So we could go through now, if we were smart enough and we had a, a big supercomputer, and we could just look at all this language and stuff and say, okay, these are the areas that over the next 2,400 years, humanity is going to be exploring. We know some of these things... Um, and it's really curious the way that it's coming out. If you'd done this exercise 200 years ago, you would say uh, in 1894 when um, uh, Yuktasvar uh, analyzed what was going on, he was a Hindu um, scientist and mystic, um, and he analyzed what was going on and said the themes for this particular yuga will be uh, electricities and small particles. And indeed it is, but the small particles is crapping out. Okay, that's... Um, uh, 
a stupid bad idea from the Kazarians that they've been they put vast quantities of money into with all these um, uh, atom smashers, the Large Hadron Collider, and all of that kind of stuff. And that's reached its peak, and it's about to collapse. Uh, it, it's going to be, you know, uh, shown to be an absolute failure, a total waste of money. It doesn't give them what they want, and uh, their whole concept is uh, was bogus from the beginning because they were basically listening to Einstein, and he didn't have a fucking clue. And so, but as part of this is we are going to go into electricities and energies and stuff, and we are have investigated the small particles, but because it happened within the, the 300 years, it was one of the transition things that will be dropped. So we know that we won't be dealing with quantum physics or um, particle physics at that level uh, going forward. Then in fact, it'll be the other. It'll be the electricities and the energy and so on, which puts us back into the ether kind of an approach on things. Um, so these things can be uh, sussed out based on the algorithms that we can see relative to uh, the yugas, relative to how time works, and um, its functioning uh, within humanity, how it manifests as a, a dynamic change within humanity. And as I wanted to say, uh, we are there now for the novelty theory. So uh, we will not... We're, we're smart, okay? So we are not going to expect politics to calm down um, once uh, Trump is back in as president, okay? In fact, getting there is going to be a huge issue because we're going to have to cross one of those um, major peaks, one of those major uh, thresholds in order to get that to occur. So there'll be all kinds of chaos leading up to that. And then it'll just put us on a higher level of plateau from which we build the next level of peak. And, and that's the pattern that we're in now. So we can expect that in fact, uh, as, as Trump becomes uh, president again, that in fact, we should have uh, at that point, a major escalation in dynamic activity within internal U.S. politics. Uh, because we will be dropping into this next level. So when we, for when we peak and we come down slightly from that peak and we hit that plateau, that next plateau relative to politics at that point uh, will be the base for the, the building for the next um, uh, 2,100 years. And so we'll be building from this point on upward. So we're not going to be like going back, right? It's a difficult concept to get across. I, th I find it easier to sketch it out because the you can draw these lines and it just sort of shows things in a nice orderly fashion that, that is more uh, congenial to our minds. May not be more accurate, right? Uh, very difficult to you know, quantify things like time in a, a graphic drawing. In any event, though, um, our escalation, our step up, our next level up in uh, complexity here, uh, relative uh, because of the novelty theory algo taking us up a notch, uh, should be uh, quite spectacular, but in the main, I betcha most people don't even recognize it because we've got so much other stuff going on that they'll just be, uh, everybody's just going to be like, um, uh, too involved in the day-to-day -day part of all of it to be able to 
think about it in uh, the larger context. Wow, we were there a long time. Anyway, so, um, it's interesting that we're at this point now. I've been doing uh, work with time and language for uh, long enough that I've been able to see our building um, and release language uh, manifest. And since like maybe 2008, but certainly by 2010, uh, there was a, a domination of building tension language that had not existed in the 90s or had not existed in the early 2000s. It sort of started creeping in in the early 2000s uh, where building language would always dominate. You'd have more of that than you have release language. Now the reverse of that is, is happening. We're getting more and more release language as people shed the tensions and the emotions right away that are being shoved into them by this um, uh, uh, step up in our novelty algorithm. And so at the moment, I suspect we're going to, or, or for this period of time, I suspect we're going to be going into release language dominant uh, for maybe decades. I just don't know. It's going to be hard to say. They should even out at some point. That's my expectation in any event. But that, that point might, might literally be hundreds of years away for all I know. In any event, though, over these next um, years... Uh, you can uh, guide your actions by presuming that whatever you're seeing in the area that interests you is going to become ever so much more um, complicated and uh, convoluted and complex in any and all uh, facets of it. Uh, so you could just sort of anticipate that, right? So you can anticipate that... Um, Oh, there's going to be part shortages on everything pretty much perpetually from now on for a number of different reasons. Uh, and we can get into those at some point. And so uh, you can also um, anticipate that there's going to be different solutions to this. There's going to be more complex solutions. So you may find that we get people that um, set up shops and they do... Uh, production on demand of particular parts. So you're working on a car, you find a plastic part that's broken or rubber, whatever, you know. And, um, and so you take the plastic part and you go into one of these little shops because you can't find that part because maybe they're not even, the companies that used to make it doesn't even exist anymore. But you go in with that part to the shop, they put it into a 3D scanner, they scan it, get all the metrics, maybe have to glue it back together, do a little bit of fiddling to make it fit. Maybe they've got software that does that, who knows? And then they sit there and they print that part for you. And, and so maybe that's going to be our solution to the part issue is that we'll set up little stores everywhere that, you know, will produce parts on demand. And then maybe they can do this for metal parts, but they have to send it to, a, you know, the information to a foundry, and then it gets, uh, the part gets mailed back to you, that kind of a thing, right? And so we won't be in a position, so we're basically transiting from a position of, of uh, auto parts stores where they would stash um, existing parts that, you know, pre-made and so on, maybe that's going to slowly die off as we have to get to morph into this other approach uh, here. So I run into that with people I do business with where um, 
guy's got a, a tree business and he's got a lift truck, you know, one of those trucks that you sit in a little bucket and it lifts you up on this arm way to the top of the tree so you can trim the tree or, you know, cut it down in chunks or whatever, right? And uh, a perfectly functioning business and everything and then his some parts crap out on his lift truck and lo and behold, nobody's manufacturing those anymore. And so, so he's out of business until he can figure a, a solution, which basically is another lift truck, which he had not anticipated buying. Because when you buy a piece of uh, gear for your job like that, you just sort of automatically think that you'll be able to get parts and keep it in good repair. And in this case, that, that didn't happen, right? Could not happen. Well, now we're back to that point where um, it's probably going to be uh, uh, this kind of a way for all different kinds of stuff, which, you know, is not a, not necessarily a good thing if you're, if you're used to the old, old situation, but at least it is our approach and it's going to be ever so much more complex and ever so much more novel than had existed. So it's a, an upgrade in novelty for us to split out to, you know, decentralized and so on and diversified part production for our machinery. Um, and from there, you know, maybe we're going to have individualized, uh, you know, factories that uh, uh, start up, that kind of thing. Who knows exactly how, no one knows exactly how this thing is going to mature and develop as we go forward, but we know that we're in that point of uh, manifesting change, where change is writ with a giant big C. Um, and it's going to be dominating our lives. Uh, well, it'll dominate the rest of my life, but probably to dominate the lives of everybody that uh, is able to listen to this because it'll be continuing like this for 20, uh, 100 years um, as we are in the Bronze Age. Uh, so anyway, that's where we're at. I'm almost at my first stop. Sorry about that. This one ran a little bit long. At least it gave us the opportunity to get into some of this stuff here. Uh, but uh, the takeaway on this is that there there is this repeating pattern that shows up in every fucking thing involving any kind of activity, life, or dyna dynamic uh, action uh, in our materium. And this operating principle has this uh, threshold thing um, that uh, reaches a peak, and then it drops slightly, and then you're into a plateau from which the next level builds up. And we're uh, able to see this pattern in all forms of activity so you can predict that it will occur. Uh, you know, everything from uh, heartbeats to, you know, whether or not uh, there's going to be a fight break out in that bar or restaurant, right? And um, by anticipating these things, you can hopefully guide yourself a little bit better through uh, some of the shit we're all going to be going through in this uh, transition as we uh, manifest our new reality here. And that's basically what we're doing. We're all little uh, elements in the universe's novelty game, right? And so it's up to us to do our best to um, aid universe in creating novelty. And in so doing, universe will reward us. There's, there's algorithms in this game that say, if, you know, if you're a good novelty creator, we'll give you lots of money. And we see that this happens all the time. Uh, we see these effects where, you know, uh, artists and creative people get lots of money for being creative people. 
and it's a um, you know sort of a quid pro quo. They may not understand it. They may just be going with it. You know, they like singing, and everybody else likes their singing. That sort of thing. Uh, but um, it's basically this algorithm from from universe, and you can take advantage of it. Okay, guys, I got a lot of stuff here, and apparently I'm going to be held up on the way back too. So anyway, that's a discussion of novelty theory. And talk to you later.